I think it's more around planning. Eh? If we don't plan things, someone else will plan for us. If we don't plan our time, someone will plan it and something else you know, will come. So I think it's more around that, around planning things, know when to do what. Have you ever looked at someone who just seems to have it all together? Juggling so many roles, being successful at work, volunteering in the community, and being a nice person on top of it all and thought to yourself, I wonder how she does it. That's exactly the question we're covering today. Welcome to episode 21 of Hungry Woman at Work, the podcast to help you thrive at work or in life without losing your soul. I'm Navila Malloy, and let me start with a confession. I am a recovering schedule hater. There, I said it. When I was younger, I was a very go-with-the-flow coastal girl, and I had a very flexible concept of time. I grew up with two parents and a brother who were, and actually still are, sticklers for time and punctuality. Ask my dad to fetch you from hockey practice at 2pm, and he's in the parking lot by 1.30pm. Tell my mom the flight leaves at 11, and she's at the airport by 8am. I kid you not. Now imagine the drama raising a teenager who was a lot more um, liberal with time. Now over the years, I can honestly tell you that that has changed significantly. Somewhere between hectic varsity study schedules and then growing professionally to manage a team and then raising a child while running a business, I have come to appreciate the importance of managing your time and your schedule more effectively. Now, don't get me wrong, there's still a barefoot coastal girl somewhere deep inside who makes an occasional appearance. I've often been asked by team members or people I've mentored, and then recently even by a few listeners on the show, for my advice on how to manage time more effectively. So this episode is a response to that question. I don't consider myself an expert in this, but I thought, who better to ask for advice than someone whom I look to and think, I wonder how she does it all. That's Evelyn Mabunu. Evelyn manages the Educational Trust for Umbono Capital, an investment group focused on private equity and venture capital. She's a wife, a mom of four. She's completed a social entrepreneurship course at Gordon Institute of Business Science. She works with Gibbs students. And then, of course, she fundraises for a crisis response team, serves in kids' ministry at a church, and mentors young married couples together with her husband. <laughs> it's a lot. How does she do it all without burning out? I've often wondered. She prioritizes and plans her life, she says. Now, you can either be highly intimidated or envious of someone like that, or like me, you can make them a friend and choose to learn as much as your anti-schedule self can learn from them. Evelyn Mabunu, welcome to Hungry Women at Work. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So wonderful having you on the show today. Now, Evelyn, you've got quite an interesting career journey that starts in one place and ends in a totally different place. Do you want to give us a brief 
snapshots of your working journey? Yeah, you know, my working journey has been quite interesting. Like I said to you, I worked for Standard Bank. Then uh, when I had the third child, my husband was studying. I was busy working full time. I actually decided to take some time off. And uh, that time off became eight years. Eight years. And in those eight years, I mean, it was a lot of, you know, teaching children, you know, just really loving it and being content, you know, for that season. And then um, at the end of the eight years, I really felt that, it was time for me to move to another season. So yeah, now I work for an educational trust and I really love the work because I mean, it's making such a huge impact in the lives of students. That's where I am now. So I know we want to talk about quite a few things around scheduling and time management, but I want to go back to this eight year season because I think there's a lot in there. Uh, You go from working quite a high paced fast impact corporate um, job in banking and you are then home homeschooling and mothering and managing your home for eight years how did you make that transition mentally Uh, was there ever time when you felt like I'm missing out or I've now slowed down my career what was it that enabled you to make that shift without feeling like you had just changed your career pro- your career trajectory quite significantly? What made it easy was, you know, that understanding to say, this is the decision that I've made and I'll stick with it. And it's obviously for a defined, you know, period. And also the other thing was, this is what God wants me to do in this season. It's a critical season, you know, below the age of seven, you know, it's important for me to be here and to teach, you know, my children. So I think I had that mindset to say, you know what, this is what I want to be doing and I will do it. Yes, there were challenges. I mean, there were seasons where I was just like, this is way harder. It's way easier, you know, to go to work and, you know, your hours are defined. I know I start work at this time and I finish. This is like 24-7, you know. <laughs> but... um you know, with God's grace, with a lot of, you know, being content and really having faith. I think that's what pulled me through that season. And also, I think the other thing is that deep understanding of saying, you know, children are actually trusted to us. So I need to value them and I need to take time to actually look after them and to teach them certain things myself. So those are some of the things that, you know, pulled me through that, that, that season. Is- so courageous i really commend you for that so now you said you you felt that the season was up after eight years and then you went so tell us about that transition again how did you know the season was up because we have lots of listeners who you know might be transitioning from one thing to the next and there's always the question around when is it time to leave when is it time to stay how did you know that the season was up that's the first part and then secondly how easy was it to transition back into the nine to five environment? I must say to you, it's, it's really not easy. But um, at the end of the seventh year already, I realized that, you know, the kids had, you know, uh, routines. They were into good schedules. You know, it was getting easier, basically. And I also felt the need to challenge myself 
a bit more. So I really started praying. I must say to you, I really started praying and really trusting the Lord for, you know, something, something different. And also I was quite specific about what I wanted for the, for the next uh, season. So yes, you can ask again and say, did you know exactly that this was the time? Probably not, but I think I was beginning to feel that I had taught them what I needed to, you know, to teach them. So now it's time for me to transition and, um, you know, move into the next season. But the other thing as well, Nevilia, is um, that eight-year gap that you spoke about earlier. I also studied and, you know, advanced myself in certain, you know, skills and all that. And, um, yeah. So on that note, I mean, you, for those who haven't figured out yet, you've got four children. And you're also studying amidst this. I mean, some of us are struggling even with one, one child homeschooling, especially during the COVID-19 lockdown period. It was quite a shock to some of our systems. How did you manage to keep your house systems, your home systems in check and then be able to throw studying in there and maintain the many other aspects of your lives? You must have quite a hectic system or are you just naturally wired to organize things? Share as many tips and a wealth of wisdom with us. Navelia, I think it's more around planning. Eh? If we don't plan things, someone else will plan for us. If Absolutely. we don't plan our time, someone will plan it and something else, you know, will come. So I think it's more around that, around planning things, know when to do what. Same with the children, teach them to plan their work, you know, that responsibility should stay with them, the planning for their work and stuff that they can do. Then the other thing is don't do stuff for children that they can do for themselves. I'm very strong around that. You know what is expected of you, you do it. Because look, at the end, you're trying to raise a responsible citizen. So you don't want to be doing this picking up of dishes until they are, they are 30. <laughs> so it has to be very clear. <laughs> Responsibilities have to be very clear. What tasks are yours and which ones are mine? So I think that those are some of the things that have really helped us to sort of have structure and also, you know, to be able to actually manage with the different things that, that we do. Then the other thing that helps a lot is, you know, the saying that, you know, it takes a village to raise children. It's so true. You need to have a support structure in place. You need to know. I mean, who can help me fetch the kids, you know, when I can't? Who can babysit for me when I need, you know, to do other things, when I need to go out? So you need to have a set support structure in place. Who are the couples that I trust, you know, with, with my children? Those things help you to actually raise, you know, your family and have structure around, you know, things in your, in your house. And even stuff like, you know, calendars, schedules, I mean, you know, stuff like that. Have things written down and know exactly when to do what. The biggest thing as well is to set your priorities right. I mean, we're a big family. You know, we accept that, you know, we won't go at the pace like, you know, other people do. So we, we have to set our priorities right and say, what is important to our family? And we do that first and all the other things will fall in. That's wonderful. I, I think something else that I'd like to... I, 
just pick your brain on. And, you know, for many women, um, so you were there, you were homeschooling, you were the primary caregiver to your children, and then you transitioned and you moved back into the workspace. You are married to a very loving husband whom I know and have met, and I also know that he is, you believe in duality of roles in the family. But what I get, what I hear very often and what you read about in the news is that for women, it's so much harder to transition, you know, from um, one, one career to the next or a senior level to the next, or even from not working full time to then working, because they still have to carry the bulk of the domestic load. How are there any tips from your and your husband's model of working for, that you could share with perhaps the woman who, who doesn't have that support at home, who's feeling that quite acutely? What kind of conversations should we be having in our homes with our spouses or our partners in order to make the roles more equitable? That's a tough one. I hope, you know, <laughs> I will be able to answer it. But um, the important thing, especially for people who are married, and I'm really blessed with this, that, you know, my husband supports me in, you know, in the different seasons that, that I, I we have gone through. We made a decision up front to say, you know, we won't study at the center, right? So that at least someone is there, you know, for the children and the other person is focusing on whatever, you know, they need to do. For example, his support in terms of saying, you are studying, I will look after, you know, after the kids. I will be the primary, I mean, responsible person, you know, for, for those things. Those are the kind of things that really help. And the other thing that also help in that transition period is, is mentoring. Find another woman out there or another man out there who can mentor you and who can give you some of the skills that you need. Sometimes people are scared, you know, to approach people. But guess what? People actually want to develop others. So take that bold step, approach other people, ask for mentoring and for that, you know, for that support. But I would say the support of the family, especially the support from my husband is what has really helped me through all the different seasons, you know, that, that I've really gone through. Yes, sometimes it's a matter of talking and say, this is what needs to be done. But sometimes it's also demanding his time, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. To say, I actually need this done. So please, can yes. But sometimes as women, we keep going, you know? Yes. We really have this super women spirit within us. <laughs> and someone was saying, sometimes we want to do more than what Jesus himself, you know, <laughs> could do. So we need to learn to ask and we need to learn to accept help as well. I think that's a very big one. I know because we, because we've built up this persona of, you know, superwoman or I should be able to do it all. It's sometimes very hard to ask for help, but I like that you kept asking, you, you keep mentioning around who's, who's in the village around you. Who can you draw help from? Which other, when it comes to time management and scheduling and prioritizing your day, in your experience, what works and what doesn't work? There are some of us who are just naturally more organized or structured than the rest of us. Uh, so what would you say would work and what doesn't work? So in my experience, what works is determined by how I start my day. I start my day with the word of God, with prayer and a bit of exercise. That sort of grounds me and prepares me for the day. I must say, 
most of the days that I'm very disorganized, I always go back and say, how did I actually start this day? So for me, that's very important. You know, my faith and, you know, really trusting the Lord and worshiping for anything else because that just sets me to say you know what i actually depend on god yes he has blessed me with talents and gifts but guess what i need to start here so that's one thing that i can tell you that i've seen that works what doesn't work is trying to do too many things i mean there are so many hours in a day there's so much we can accomplish in in a day so we can't set unrealistic goals for ourselves i mean you can't say you're gonna do 200 things, I mean, on a Friday, you know, choose the ones that you're going to do and do those ones well. So setting unrealistic goals doesn't actually work. And, you know, you need to focus and say, what are the things that I'm going to do? And you do that. And I, I have calendars everywhere, to be honest with you. Those sort of help me to check and say, this week, before a week starts, like on a Sunday, I go through my week and say, what do I want to achieve? What are the important things that I need to do? And at the end of that week, I also go through that same calendar and say, what did I actually do? That gives me, you know, a sense of, you know, fulfillment to say, this is what I had said and I, I've done it. And also accountability, you know, to actually say, this is what was supposed to be done and I've done it. Because as you work, you need to understand that we've been blessed with work. We need to work as if we are working for the Lord. So we need to be accountable and actually say, what have we done? You know, I really like what you said there, just the realistic expectations. Because I do think, I mean, even now, you know, with um, the last few months and the impact of the pandemic, I think we've all been crisis responding. And sometimes it's hard to be doing that forward planning because you're just kind of putting out fires all over the place. But this thing about look at what it is that you want to achieve for the week and be realistic about it because I think that's where we sometimes get it wrong is we think on we think that we can do absolutely everything and it has to be done today mm. and also the other thing is there are so many things that needs to be done for example there are so many social problems in the world so many of them we can list them education poverty this 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 if we don't choose the one that we want to solve and focus on that we'll just be spreading thinly on all of them. So it's very important to focus and to say, what do I want to do this week and what should I be focusing on? Very good. Coming back to your earlier points about how do we make things sustainable. So you studied at Gibbs um, uh, in social entrepreneurship. And as I mentioned, you also head up this educational trust. We find ourselves in a very precarious place in South Africa and in the world right now, especially around education and job creation. In your experience and drawing on some of your studies, what are some of the learnings you could share with us that we create a more sustainable future, both from an education and a job creation point of view? We should start small. You know, a lot of times people want to wait until when they have billions, then they can fund, you know, 2,000 students. It's, it shouldn't work that way. Fund one student. It's one student changed. It's one family changed. It's one community changed. Because that child is going to be a role model in the community. So that community will also be changed. So we need to start small. What, wherever we see the gaps, let's start small. 
start with one child, mentor one person, give the next person the skills, some of the skills that you have. You will have changed that person's life and you also have changed that family's life. And then it will carry on. You teach that person to teach the next person. That ripple effect actually works. So we need to really constantly ask ourselves and say, the things that, I'm, that I am good at, who else have I taught? That's how we will sort out some of these social problems that we face in South Africa. That mindset has to, to change. The mindset of saying, ah, when I have the next million, then I will be able to help should change. It should go to when I have the next 50 rand, I will buy another child a pair of school shoes because then that child can now go to school confidently with a new pair of shoe or with a second. You get what I'm saying? So we need to start small. Those small things will really build up and will really change eventually. Powerful, powerful words. One last question as we transition to the last segment of the episode. You speak about starting small. What small things for those of us who really want to prioritize, schedule, and manage our days and our times better? Small tips or last pieces of advice that you'd like to give us. What are your priorities for the day? Start with those ones. And when your private life is in order, chances are high, you know, your outside world will also be in order. So make it it a priority to put your private world in order. What are the things that feed you? Is it your faith? Is it the word of God? Is it worship? Start with those things. Never hurry around those things. Have time for those things because those are the same things that are going to help you to plan for all the other things. I always look, you know, at a jar, an empty glass jar, and I pick you know, a a big piece of rock and pop it in in the jar. That first piece, I would say maybe that's that's my faith. And then I'll put another one, that's my family. Those important things. And then all these other small pebbles, guess what? They will be able to fill in. But then if you start with all these other small things, the big and important things in your life won't fit. So know your priorities and start ordering your private world first before you look at all these other things outside the world. You are giving us a lot of fire today. So now we are going to transition to a section called rapid fire questions. I will fire a question at you and you will say the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. A song that always gets you through the day. Utando for from We Will Worship. I love that one. A book that's changed the way you think about work. Ordering your private world. A gadget or app that helps you work smarter. Oh, my phone, the kids' schedules, the babysitters, the trans everything is there. <laughs> the calendars, everything is there on my phone. The shopping, everything. No, the phone helps me. It's one of the things that really help me. Your advice to your younger self. Work hard, prioritize, know the season that you are in and do that. Three things that keep you centered. It's my faith, my family and friends around me. One thing you do to overcome distraction. I just read. (laughs) Like that. Your advice to younger working women. Don't be too harsh on yourself. Take your time. You know, things will fall into place. Your advice to senior women leaders. Give back, mentor someone, 
you have experienced certain things. People, we don't have to experience everything. Sometimes we have to learn from others. Be willing, give your time, mentor other young women. Evelyn, I could spend hours talking to you. You've got so much wisdom to share with us, but I am also mindful of the time of Mrs. Time Management herself. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for putting Hungry Woman at Work as one of the rocks in your jaw this week. It has been an absolute privilege and delight to have you on the show. And we look forward to hearing from you in future. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Give your brand a voice with Audio Audacious. For podcasting, IVR and audio content solutions. Check us out at audiodacious.com. Such good advice from Evelyn. And today's listener question was, of course, all about managing your time and schedule. Now, to anyone who's ever struggled with this discipline, much like I have, I think it's important to not get into guilt or self-blame or feel like this is just too hard to attain. As I mentioned earlier, I wasn't born with a natural inclination to schedule or plan, but I've learned to do so in a way that feels realistic for my personality. I've also learned some great tips from my coach, who's also the host of Moms with Dreams podcast, Erika Blocker, whom I feature on episode 12 of the podcast. Some of Erika's advice includes Number one, stop striving for perfection because that can trip you up from even getting started. Number two, set monthly and then weekly goals for your work, business or studies. Be realistic about those goals and make them doable in your context. Three, practice batching and time blocking. These have been so helpful to me. Batching your time means grouping together similar tasks, like all finance-related things, and doing those all at once. Time blocking is where you section off your time to devote exclusively to one or certain tasks, like writing a book. It's the opposite of multitasking. Number four, be willing to make some shifts in your schedule based on your current context. Like Evelyn also said, understand the season you're in. Five, trim back where you can. Nobody is meant to do it all. Can I repeat that? Nobody is meant to do it all. That's the stuff burnout is made of. Number six, make sure you practice gratitude and find one thing daily that brings you joy. Now, it's not always perfect, and some days I give myself a whole lot of freedom to ignore the schedule completely. But for the most part, it's helped me feel like an active role player rather than an unwilling bystander in my own life. I'm keen to hear how you manage your time and schedule. Please share your tips with us on Instagram. Well, that's a wrap for today's show. Thank you for scheduling time into your day to tune in. And please remember to subscribe to Hungry Women at Work on iTunes, Spotify, Iona FM, and Google Podcasts. Till next time, keep thriving at work without losing your soul.